Book Thinkers family, welcome to another very exciting episode of Book Thinkers Follow Your Heart. Uh, today I'm with a very special guest, special to me, special to many of us in the Instagram community, and that is Evan Carmichael. Um, for those of you who don't really know Evan yet, uh, I believe Evan has two, two characteristics that are, are worthwhile to know. One is that he believes in himself and it was a journey um, to get there. And secondly, that he's built to serve. And, and what I mean by that is that he, he believes in you. Um, he's, a, he's a leader and a little bit of a mentor in the a community of trying to enable or influence people to believe in themselves. And he does that by, um, by believing in you. I also want to quickly flash his book, Built to Serve, which is one of my favorite books. And it continues to, uh, continues to, to uh, increase in significance for me as I grow my business. Um, but this isn't why we're here. We're talking about follow your heart stories. So Evan, what I want to get into today is um, how you became what I just described. And did you follow your heart? at all in the process of getting there? And if so, in what way did you follow your heart? Yeah, cool. Well, awesome show. Thanks for having me, Ryan. And hey, Book Thinkers family, what's up? Welcome to the show. Um, my quick follow the heart story. So I am grateful and fortunate to have two amazing parents who always told me, I'm Evan Castrilli Carmichael. I can do anything that I believe that I can. And they're on my wall behind me. Uh, I'm eight or nine years old in this picture. My parents are above me and it's that kind of constant reminder. Uh, I think part of it is, you know, my mom was kind of told what to do by her parents and wasn't, you know, allowed to go off and do things that, um, she wanted to do and she fought them hard and she still chased down her dream. And so they were very supportive and encouraging of whatever we wanted to try. I have two sisters, one older, one younger, and all three of us are doing very different uh, things, very different than what our parents are doing as well. And they always kind of encouraged us to go off and chase them what we wanted to do. So that was great that I had that from you know a young age. That led me to doing all sorts of different weird things. Um, my first kind of business venture was baseball cards when in 1992, 93, I was 12 and 13. Uh, my hometown team, the Toronto Blue Jays, won back-to-back -back World Series, uh, also at the height of baseball card fever at the time. So it was a perfect storm for me. And I'm 12 or 13, and every week we would drive uh, three hours to this place called the Orange Tent. And uh, half of them, half of the, the stalls there were selling baseball cards. And I would go and negotiate my baseball cards. And uh, I'm 12 or 13 negotiating people 40, 50 years old. And that's how I got my chops early days negotiating as a young entrepreneur. And if, uh, if somebody wanted to give me a, a dollar coin, uh, in Canada, our coins are loonies or metal. We don't have dollar bills, uh, that was covered in gum or covered in dirt. So like, yeah, I'll take it. I'll clean that off. It's still a dollar. Let's go. Uh, and that led me to a whole bunch of other initiatives, but you know, having that belief early that you should go and follow what you want to do. Primed me for the most difficult decision of my life, which is when I was 19, I was in a university or going to university and um, I thought I wanted to be a banker. If you look at my high school yearbook, where are you going to be in 10 years? A classic question that they ask you. 
mindset VP at a bank because I like money. I like making money. Uh, I didn't have a lot of money, but I like the process of doing it. And entrepreneur wasn't a thing. I'm 40 years old now. You know, 20 years ago wasn't a thing. You had to be kind of crazy to be an entrepreneur. And so nobody in my family was an entrepreneur. I didn't have uh, any role models. Even though I had the baseball card, you know, successes, it was still go get a job, go to university, all this stuff. So I connected with two entrepreneurs at university and the hardest decision in my life was either join them, make 300 bucks a month, own 30% of this company, or go get my six-figure dream job in investment banking and travel around the world. And in terms of following your heart, I, the way that I interpreted it at the time was more, I don't want to live with regret. So it was following my heart, but the thing that, let, that gave me the courage to do it was I don't want to live with regret. I imagine myself being 95 years old, looking back on this moment and saying, I should have, like, what if I just did that? I should have done that. And I adopted the mindset of I'd rather know and fail than not know. And even though I didn't know if I'd be a success or not as an entrepreneur, I'd rather know and fail and then go back to investment banking in a year. But at least I knew that it wasn't going to work out as opposed to decades of me saying, hmm, what if I just tried that thing? And so that gave me the courage to go off and do it. And there was a really rough road, bumpy ride. I quit on my business partner, uh, came back the next day. And eventually we, we figured it out and we made it. And I've never gone back and had to have a job. But um, I'm a big believer that you make the big decisions in your life with your heart and the small ones with the head. Your head only understands a world that currently exists and is designed to keep you safe and practical um, and small. Where your heart can create something brand new that's never existed before. It opens up an entire new world. But the problem is your head and your heart are often against each other because your heart wants to make something brand new and your head says, you can't do that. Nobody's done that before. You're crazy. It's not even your parents and people. It's like you telling yourself that you can't do it. Uh, and so it's getting those two aligned to say, my heart's telling me to do this, even though it doesn't make any practical or logical sense. I have to go off and do this. And then once you've decided, then your head comes on board to help you out. Once you've decided, I'm going to do this, and your head says, oh, okay, he's serious about this. Okay, now how do we make sure we don't die? You know, how do I, how do I, make practical steps to make this happen. Um, and so it's why I think if you're making a list of pros and cons of something, you're, you're, you're doing the wrong thing. Cause there might be a hundred cons and one pro, but that pro is the reason it's like that pro is your whole life. Um, and so when people say, I need to wrap my head around it, I think we should change that. So I need to wrap my heart around it. You took the words out of my mouth and the best, way you could possibly describe them. And that's the reason for this content that I'm creating. Um, and Evan, you're still doing that today. So you're, yeah. it's been a journey, but let's talk a little bit more about that journey. I mean, you, you're in a position when you decided to follow your heart, become an entrepreneur, even though logically it didn't really make much sense. Um, potentially. And, and now and you've had a journey and you're continuing to follow your heart, I believe in everything that you do. I have now kind of taught myself. So that, that whole regret strategy, uh, Jeff Bezos actually calls it the regret minimization framework, which sounds super geeky, but basically, which, which by the way, Evan is the number one reason why I quit my job and 
joined Book Thinkers with Nick. Was the regret minimization framework? It's what I come back to every time. Yep. Okay, so here's the thing. So this was me maybe, well, definitely when I started and up until maybe three years ago, two years ago, everything was seen through the regret minimization framework. I want to minimize my regrets going forward. Um, and my, my thought was, whatever you want to do is painful. Like whatever the thing is that you want to do, there's a lot of pain associated with it. But the, the pain of regret is hard to see, is hard to measure because it's these micro doses, but it's for the rest of your life. And so you try to make that regret so big that it forces you into action. So the way I explain it, at least to myself, was if you have a hangnail, the hangnail really hurts. It's like so annoying, the stupid hangnail. But then when somebody punches you in the arm, you don't feel the hangnail anymore because you feel the punch in the arm right? The hangnail is still there. It didn't go away, but you just don't feel it because you feel the punch. That's what regret can do. The fear of regret can be so big that then you don't feel the fear of doing the thing that you want to go off and do. So it piles so much regret on myself. I would imagine that like if you invited me to go on this interview and I was super afraid, I would say, man, this, this show with Ryan is going to be the single greatest show of my entire life. And if I don't go on it, I'm going to regret it. I'm going to be 95 years old, never having realized my potential of having decades of me hating my life because I didn't go on Ryan's show and join Book Thinker's family, right? That's what I would tell myself. And then it's like, well, of course I have to go on. And then the fear of, uh, you know, not, have, not doing a good job, not answering the questions, not whatever, whatever, you know, internal voice goes away because you inject a bigger fear. That's how I operated from, you know, 19 with the first business up until 37. The past three years, I've shortcut that process to as soon as I get an idea, I just do something about it. I did action, eliminate the thought process. The fact that I came up with the idea, this sounds really egotistical, but this is actually what I want people to inject in themselves try saying this to yourself, not just hear Evan Carmichael say it, but I tell myself the fact that I came up with the idea means it's great. And so I have to do it. You're a genius. Your ideas are amazing. Go do them. The regret minimization framework is still thinking. So you have to do the extra step of thinking. So you're thinking all the reasons why it's not going to work. Then you inject re regret into it. And then that is better thinking that pushes you towards the outcome that you want. I just want to eliminate the thinking completely. The fact that I came up with it means it's a great idea because I came up with it. And so we're going to do it. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the ultimate form of experimentation, which is, yeah. which is again, regret minimization. Uh, so almost everything I do now has become feeling as opposed to thinking. Any new decision, for the most part, is feeling first and then thinking. And I used to be the guy who was terrified of feeling. Like, if you asked me on your show eight years ago, I would have said, happy to, but, uh, like, I need to know every question you're going to ask me because I'd be afraid of disappointing you and letting you down. And now it's all, it's the total, I don't even want to know what the questions are. I want it to be a live experience to get the best out of it. Um, even in some of our interactions, like, you joined on one of my IG Lives and, I think you were interviewing me for your show. I forget what, I forget what our first IG live was. And I just flipped it on you, right? It's just like, okay, you know what, Ryan? Like, answer these questions instead. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it just felt right, right? I mean, I didn't know you at all the time and just where it was going. Like, okay, I'm not answering these questions anymore. We're going to move over here and do this. 
And then even in some of the follow-ups that sometimes I've done, like messaging you on Instagram, um, I might be in the shower and I'm thinking about Ryan <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason. So why am I thinking about Ryan? I don't know. I'm not going to judge it. I'm going to go message Ryan. Right. And that, that happens so often. And instead of judging of the, like, why am I thinking about Ryan? What am I going to say? I wonder how he's like the, just this constant talk that just wastes time. Instead, I'm just going to go get out of the shower and, and send Ryan a DM and ask him how he's doing. Right. Well, to um, your point, that is when I first labeled this podcast, uh, follow your heart. I, I still believe that. And I, I believe exactly what you're saying. You, you follow your heart in life and then logically you'll, you'll find a way to figure that out. Um, that doesn't mean that every little gut intuition that I have, I act on, maybe I'll get to a place at some point where I do, but it means like I'm following my heart. And, and what I've realized is that's following your inner voice. You know, it, as much as it's following your heart, it's the inner voice that continues to talk to you and say, Hey, this is what I want, or this is how I'm feeling. And then being able to like recognize that and then act. And, and, um, and that doesn't mean that what happens in that action is going to be something that's beautiful, but it's going to eliminate that thought, which is what I'm looking to achieve. And it, it creates more output. Like you don't know, you, you can't think your way through things enough to know all the variables. Like you're not that smart to know how everything's going to play out. I think about this book, Built to Serve, right? Um, uh, I was talking to my wife. I was thinking about my wife, not talking. I was thinking about my wife. This is back when she had a job. And um, I'm walking down the street, beautiful sunny day. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna, I want to take, Nina likes to travel. I'm going to take Nina to every city in North America that has a million plus people. Why am I thinking about it? I don't know. It just came to my head. I don't know how many cities there are in North America with a million plus people. You know, I don't know what I'm, what I'm now committing to or thinking about, but it came to my head and I messaged Nina like right away, like idea to action, go. I messaged Nina to say, Nina, I'm going to take you to every city in North America with a million plus people. Um, I'm going to start this weekend. And so uh, I said, we're going to go to Boston this weekend because she hadn't been to Boston. In my head, I'm thinking Boston is the closest city to Toronto. I'm in Toronto, Canada that Boston's the closest city. It's like, oh, it's a nine hour drive. It's gotta be the closest big city that we both hadn't been to. And then I messaged my videographer at the time, um, Danny and his partner and said, Hey guys, we're going to go to Boston for the weekend. Do you want to come and film it and whatever? We'll figure it out. It's like, yeah, we're down. Great. So we, that weekend, this is like a Wednesday. So Friday we're taking off for Boston and then Boston, we go over there for the weekend. It's amazing. We film content. We're, we're sharing stories. Um, part of the house section in this book was, was because of the road trip back in the car that my wife and I had a discussion on. And then we decided to do a 90-day a, a tour. Okay, we hit one city. Let's go hit – how many cities can we hit in 90 days? Let's go hit 23 cities. And then Nina quit her job. We went off and did a 90-day tour. Uh, I wrote Built to Serve on the tour. The idea came while I was on tour. And it ended up creating amazing results. I made connections I'd never made before. I got un invited on shows and I'm, I'm talking to Jay Abraham and, and Ed Milet and Dave Meltzer and like Tom Bilyeu and all the guys that I featured on my channel, meeting them in person. I wrote a book. 
I got tons of speaking opportunities, all because of that warm summer day, I thought about my wife and said I wanted to take her to every city in North America with a million plus people. And newsflash, Boston wasn't even the closest city. Pittsburgh was. Right? So it's like, don't worry about the perfect first step. Don't worry about judging the idea. Amazing things happen as a result of you taking action. And not all my ideas work out like that. Um, but you know, if, I'm, if I get an idea of Ryan in the shower and I'm going to message him, <laughs> maybe that leads to something amazing. And I'm on this show right now. Or maybe, maybe Ryan ignores the message and never messages me back again. Okay, great. Next, right? Like you keep going. Um, as the only caveat I would say is make sure is pay attention to the energy that you're in. Like if you're in a really negative spot, if you're really upset, really angry, I don't listen to my, my, my gut voice there because it's clouded because it's not actually coming from a, a place of strength. But if you're feeling great, if you're feeling confident, if you're feeling bold, I think those decisions that you make when you're feeling bold and energy and energized are the right ones for you. And then your head talks you down from doing them. So if I'm walking on the street and I'm feeling the sun on my face and love for my wife and I make this, this idea comes to my head, I think the greatest thing you can teach yourself is you're going to go off and do it as opposed to tell yourself all the reasons why you can't. Yeah. And I mean, what a, what a better way to uh, live an intent. I mean that for me, it's living an intentional life. Um, but it's also creating a backbone. It's given me a backbone to say like fear is something it's just a hurdle that i can overcome and the more i do this stuff the more i realize that like almost everything you have the ability to overcome um so that's it's awesome man i i've got we've got two minutes together is there anything else you want to share i mean this is like evan carmichael to a t this conversation and you're and you're an inspiration to me i mean i follow you and comment on your stuff every day um Talking around this topic, inner voice, channeling your inner voice and, and believing in yourself. Anything else you want to share in two minutes? Yeah, so a couple of things. One, uh, fear is not a good enough reason anymore. So I just try to destroy that as a, as a reason. Scary, difficult, or hard are, are, are three trigger words for me. That if I say or think or write scary, difficult, or hard, the fact that I said it means I have to do it. Just because. As long as it doesn't go against your morals or ethics, like don't go rob a store because it's difficult. Um, don't go jumping from a balcony because it's, it's scary, right? With no parachute or something like, don't be stupid. Most of the things you're afraid of though, are other people's opinions and of you potentially failing. It's not a good enough reason anymore. So scary, difficult, or hard. The fact that you said it means you have to do it. And that's led to me painting my nails purple or orange, uh, walking through airports with a mask, sleeping mask on my face, like that kind of stuff too. Because if you can learn to eliminate other people's opinions as the reason for you not taking action, it gives you so much freedom to go and take action. So fear is a tricky one because we often uh, disguise it in practicality. You'll find a reason why you can't do it. And it's a really smart reason because you're a smart person. So you'll find really smart reasons why you can't do it. But really, you're just afraid. And so it's catching that and saying, you can fool people. You can fool your parents and you can fool Nick and you can fool other people and tell them, hey man, no, nah, I can't do this because of this. But you're not fooling yourself. You look in the mirror and say, no, nah, I'm just afraid. And when you can catch that, now, now, now that should be, that's like, I got to go do it just because. Um, 
So that's one. And then, and then the other thing is what I love about you is you're, you're especially recently become such an action taker. You get an idea and then you go do it. And I saw what you did on Instagram of I'm going to channel my inner Evan Carmichael and do a Q and a show. Uh, we're part of what I do every day on Instagram is ask people, I put the question box above me and say, uh, Hey, you got questions for me, pop them there. And over the day I respond to them and, and, uh, Ryan did that. He didn't answer my question though. At least I didn't see it, which was when is his Instagram going to be bigger than Nick's? That's really deep down what I want to know. Uh, but in that, a lot of people would say, well, I can't do that because Evan Carmichael's doing that, or I can't do that because this person's doing it, or I can't start a book Instagram page because BookThinkers is doing that. It's great to try on other people's hats. Like, I think that's how you learn. So the fact that someone else is doing it great means that, that, that there's demand for it. Try on the hat. It's not going to be a perfect fit. You have to make the adjustments and tweaks. But if the hat fits 80%, then the 20% is going to be you making those personalizations to it. If all Ryan did was copy me and do questions and answer the same way I did, then he's just a different Carmichael Jr. But if you kept doing it, what he's going to do is find his own style and his own path. And I was going to put little emojis on it or find a hashtag strategy or like something else inside of that idea. So now it's not what Evan Carmichael is doing. It's now Ryan's thing that people are modeling him after. A lot of people never get started because they feel like it's been done before and that you feel like you're just not good enough because you're going to do a, a crappy version of what the original person is doing. But in that modeling, if, if your heart's telling you to do it, the inner voice is telling you to do it, then you start and you do it and expect it not to be great. But in the continuous effort of doing it, you'll find ways to make it your own. And suddenly now you've got this unique thing that you love doing. Look, man, I'm just modeling the greats, which is something you've done for a lot of your life. And then in modeling what you're doing, I'm then evolving it and using sunglasses and music to get the energy in the room. So uh, maybe you'll adopt that too. <laughs> yeah, like, listen, I'd love to, you know? Like w before we went live, we talked about the flag behind you. It was like, I wanna bring, we're gonna disrupt the education and I wanna be the Jack Sparrow of, of education now or whatever, great. Like you're taking that concept of Jack Sparrow and what he did, at least fictionally, I don't know if that's a real character or not, but um, in his world and now you're bringing that to your world. I think that's awesome. Like I think if you're just trying to do everything yourself and try to come up with every genius idea yourself, um, I think it's really hard to have success. But I think it was Newton who said he's like stood on the shoulders of giants and can see further. It's that idea, this, especially when you take something totally outside, say I'm gonna be Jack Sparrow, but for books. <laughs> it's like Jack Sparrow, I don't think you know how to read if you watch the movies. Did you ever read anything ever, right? But I'm the Jack Sparrow of books. Right. Um, I think that's awesome. And in that experimentation, you end up finding the practicality, right? Your heart is saying to do this, but it makes zero sense. And in the experimentation, your head will help you figure out how to actually go off and do it. Yeah. My heart told me that this is what I want to do and that this is meaningful for me. And then my head has helped me throughout the way following people like yourself in one critical category of believing in myself. And then the other mentors that are available readily to us um, for the other categories that really matter in growing a business. So Evan, thanks so much, man, for coming on today. Really appreciate you. What, what episode is this?
What number? Zero. This is episode zero? It's episode zero as I launch this podcast, yes. I love it. Well, you said welcome back at the beginning, so I thought you already filmed something. Oh, I filmed like 10, but this is being released as episode zero. Oh, okay. So the intro, okay, great. Awesome. Uh, That's true. The intro is messed up, which you probably enjoy that. Oh, I love that. That's so good. You better keep that in. It's great. And all of this too. Okay. Episode 100. I want to come back. It's a deal. 100. We're back. We'll see the growth. We'll see what you're up to. All right, brother. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. See you, man. Cheers. Cheers.